Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Level Up, the esports and gaming show with me, Nathan Bliss, esports and gaming writer at Reach PLC. To celebrate the launch of Football Manager 2021, the latest game within the popular Football Manager series of games from Sports Interactive, we've got a Level Up FM21 launch special episode for you with Sports Interactive gaffer and studio director Miles Jacobson and Match AI team producer Nicholas Madden, both joining me on the show. Miles told me about the massive challenge that faced him and everyone at Sports Interactive to develop a brand new Football Manager game during a global pandemic. Incredibly, the guys at Sports Interactive gave us a raft of new features for FM21, including the introduction of XG, the impact of COVID on the football world, changing the transfer market, new ways of interacting with players, more transfer options, and much more. Miles talked us through all of that with a few interesting stories along the way too. I also spoke to Nicholas Madden, the Match AI team producer at Sports Interactive. He told me about all the changes to the match engine for FM21, including improvements to decision-making, defensive awareness, attacking in the final third, central play and goalkeeper intelligence. Nick also discussed the challenges of building a living, breathing match engine, working with AI, and also giving us a few hints and tips for FM21. Enjoy! I'm delighted to say that joining me this week is Miles Jacobson, studio director and gaffer at Sports Interactive, the world's leading developer of sports management simulations. For example, you may have heard of their Football Manager series of games. Uh, Miles, uh, how are you doing? I'm all right, thanks, Nathan. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thanks for asking. Um, it's uh, obviously been uh, a bit of a busy few months for you, but I just wanted to ask you, I mean, was this the hardest Football Manager release ever? Yes. Um, there's there's not not even a pause to think about it. Making games is really hard. And, and it's a, this is a line that unfortunately I'm using quite a lot. But but making games is, is hard. Making games during a pandemic is way, way, way harder. You know, I think everyone, everyone who's been lucky enough to be working from home and because some people haven't been that lucky knows that it's a, it's a different thing. And, you know, you have to adjust the way that you work. I think trying to do creative stuff when you're working from home is is just a really hard thing to do. There's a lot of collaboration that goes on that goes on in the game. So we've had to change a lot of uh, a lot of our working practices. We've actually hired a lot of people this year. We've we've increased the the team size by about twenty percent because we decided that we still wanted to get a game out this year and wanted to make it the best that it possibly can be and as though there hasn't been a pandemic going on because people spend money on our games and they work very hard for the money that they spend on our games so we want to make sure that they're still getting the great value for money that we try to deliver every year and secondly you know football manager 20 was 
very much an escape for a lot of people from the uh, from the not so great world that we live in at the moment. And I think that's that's something that we uh, we have to have to keep going. That if people do want to escape, they can escape into our into our new world in the same way as they escaped in in their in their own world. So. Whilst the rest of the world hasn't really put that weight on our shoulders, we've put it on ourselves um, because the last thing we wanted to do is deliver something not up for scratch or just do a data update. We wanted this to be a standalone version of Football Manager that we could be proud of in normal times. And looking at the Steam review scores from the beta at the moment, which is the highest we've we've ever had. I think we're at 93% positive globally at the moment. That seems to have done the trick. So, you know, well, well done to the whole team at Sports Interactive for the work that they've that they've put in over the last year to get us to where we are now. But yeah, I'm I'm not going to sit here and say that it was easy. It it, it wasn't. And uh, I'm very much looking forward to some sleep um, once once the game is out because <laughs> that's uh, that's been at a premium for me over the last few weeks. I'm glad you brought up that escapism element because for me that's that's one of the major positives from and one of the main reasons I play football managers because of that escapism how you can you can get locked into it for hours and days and weeks on end it feels like at, at some and it just gives you that immersion that other games just can't uh, in my opinion talking about that obviously with covid how difficult was the decision because you made a few decisions haven't you with covid about how real to make it how how much of an escapism you wanted to make it? How how hard was that, those decisions to make it either completely COVID-free or to have it really affected? Because you've done in between, haven't you, which I think is the best, but how hard was that decision? There, there were points during the cycle, during the game cycle, where we were going to be doing everything and make it with no crowds in the stadia and, um, and the illness being in game. But the more data that we saw from people playing FM20, where the playtimes had doubled, and our playtime stats were already ridiculous. They were already over 200 hours per person. With FM20, we're, we're more like 500 hours per person. So taking that into account, but also taking into account the work that we've been doing with a bunch of mental health charities during the FM20 cycle, where we gave up our advertising inventory inside the game around the uh, round the ad hoardings, just gave them to mental health charities around the world so that people were one click away from getting help and seeing how that had gone down. And adding those things together, it was pretty clear that people had been using it as an escape. And we want them to be able to continue doing that. The worst thing would be if the game was triggering triggering issues for someone. So there are some things that you can't avoid. Football clubs have less money than they had a year ago because they haven't been able to have supporters in the stadia. That had to be reflected. We had to reflect the knock-ons that that has for the transfer market. So actually had to rewrite the transfer system in game to be based on how much money there is in the game world rather than how much money each individual club has. So as money comes in over time, that scales back to being a more 2019 transfer system rather than a 2020 transfer system. And to just explain that a little bit more, the kind of things that we're looking at there are how young players and world superstars, their value seems to have remained the same. Then the middle tier of players seems to have dropped about 
10 to 20% their value than the lower tier of players. So maybe the, the zero to a million, the value for those players is pretty much non-existent now because the smaller clubs just don't have any money at all. And they've got too many players on their books rather than not enough having to redo that. But we did also, we did make the clear decision to allow supporters in the stadium because we all want to be back and there has to be, it, it's still a computer game, even though we're trying to simulate the world. That boosts the financial side of things in the game. But but also even with the new gesture system that we've got in, which is a new system throughout the game for all interactions where you can make uh, gestures that basically show your body language to the people that you're talking to in game. And this, this replaces what was uh, called the tone system, but we only had six tones in game where there were over 30 gestures. And we had to make decisions around that because do we want people shaking hands or do we want people doing elbow bumps? And that was the last decision that we had. And we actually threw that open to our community via my Twitter, via my Twitter account had 30,000 votes. I think it was who, who decided to go for handshakes. They want that normality in there. So that was the final decision made, but it just became clear over time. And, and I think that's one of the differences between development this year to to normal years is normally we will have a feature set fixed by the end of March. That's always the plan is to have a feature set by the end of March. And then everyone works through that feature set. This year, the feature set is still changing in August. You talked about the incredible effort and work that's gone on at Sports Interactive to, to create this game. And not only did you create a new game you know, completely with new updates and new features and things, but you also had to adapt it to COVID. And we've made the game for Xbox for the first time yeah. in over a decade <laughs> as well. Yeah. So five different Xboxes as well, rather than just one, because it works on Xbox, um, Xbox One, Xbox One S, Xbox One S, Xbox Series X and Xbox Series the S. entire Xbox family. The, the Xbox ecosystem, we like to call it, yes. <laughs> so that'll be with us on December the 1st, won't it? That, that comes on December the 1st. The, yeah. the other platforms are out on November the 24th. And the reason that that's a week later, for a start, we wanted to do a little bit more work on the tablet versions and have them all coming out at the same time. But also with, with consoles, there's a thing called a submission process. So on PC, we can literally have the game ready to go two or three hours before before release and press a button and it will be uploaded. On console, you have to go through a testing process at their end. And we wanted to give the most amount of time we could possibly have for uh, for development so the the xbox version will be a slightly earlier build than the tablet version because we've got those extra few games to to do more stuff on tablet and then it, it catches up eventually and in addition like i said to all the new features and obviously the research as well that gets done by the researchers all over the world you also created your own expected goal system as yes. well uh, which is an, another massive piece of work. Um, I know you've we've talked about before, haven't you? The expected goals, you felt like it wasn't really ready f for your game, really. So look, there's a lot of expected goal systems out there, and it, it's really difficult because people don't realise there are loads of different systems, and some of those systems could mean that somebody has an open goal, or somebody has five defenders in front of them and a world class goalkeeper 
in the way of the ball. And those are treated with the same XG score, which we just think is is crazy. And more and more people have, have started uh, agreeing with that viewpoint or having the same viewpoint. So they're making changes to their systems as well. And Sci Sports was one of the first to have started adding defensive positioning and 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 other indices into their models. So so we worked with them and we've got a couple of guys in the studio who've got a lot of experience in this area um, with Matt and, and Elliot. And Elliot has worked at football clubs helping them with with data analysts, uh, with data analysis being a programmer on that side of things. Dr. Matt Taylor, who I don't know what his doctorate is in, but it's in maths or computing or, or, or something. He's a very, very smart guy. Um, so we got the two of those. The two of them worked alongside Sci Sports to come up with a model that is that is more realistic than a lot of the models that are out there at the moment, which was I was hoping someone else was going to do this for us, but they didn't. So we had to go out there and do it and do it ourselves. And we will now continue adding um, other indices to our model over the years. Whether anyone in the real world is going to be able to use our model, we're not sure yet because some of the some of the distance positioning that we're doing is very, very computer centric and would be quite hard to do in the real world or with with the blink of an eye. But, you know, it's it's a useful stat when it works. I think there have been there have been big debates on this when when people are just using the the catch all term of XG. There's a lot of different models out there, and uh, we like to think that our model is going to be the, the most accurate. But we've we've already got lots of lots of ideas of how we want to improve it moving forward as well. For me, playing the beta over the last few days, I think that's that's a great addition for me because in previous titles, I would I was relying on shots on target or clear cut chances to tell me if if actually the game that I've just lost. If, if I deserve to lose that game or if, you know, it was just bad luck as happens in, in some football games uh, and it happens in all football games, that, that element of randomness. So I think it's, it's a great addition because it, it just gives you a much clearer indication of whether your chances mean the chances you've created are they really quality enough for you to actually deserve to win that game, which I think is a, a real addition to the game. Thank you, and, uh, and I agree with you. I mean, at, at the moment, I'm I've got a club promoted in in game from the Championship to the Prem, and should be struggling a little bit. And my possession is very, very low, which are the kinds of things that you'd normally look at. And my clear cut chances are low as well. But my XG is pretty good because I've got a front three who are quite accurate with their shots. So I'm actually doing pretty well. I'm firmly mid-table in game at the moment, which some of the other stats would would defy that position. But thankfully, the, the XG stats are looking good. So it does all tie in together. Yeah, because there's that thing, isn't there, on social media about how people say they've been FM'd or, you know, real life games, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we see that a lot. And, and, you know, people talk about it because it is possible in-game to dominate a game and then lose 1-0 in the same way as it's possible in real life. People think it happens more often in the game, but the reality of that is a real-life season is played across 42, 44 weeks, right? Whereas football manager, you're playing a season in a day. So you notice it happening a lot more 
in FM than you would do in real life because most football fans don't remember that they didn't have the most possession in a game and lost 1-0 when it comes to the end of the season unless they're sitting there and doing a full a full analysis of what could have been if only we'd got that point against you know against Barnsley away then we'd be in a better position but the weird one that I saw you know uh, we mentioned I, I mentioned Barnsley there I had a tweet yesterday. If if Mario Balotelli does have a trial uh, at Barnsley, that's the most FM transfer anywhere. And I actually got insulted by that because our transfers are really good and Balotelli would not get a move to Barnsley in game. So it's actually the opposite. It's it's beyond anything that we would have seen happening inside yeah. um, inside FM if he if he does end up going there. Yeah, because I always see like future transfers. People talk about, oh, in five years, this is where this player will end up. But I always think to myself, obviously, I'm a bit biased because I've been involved in Sports Interactive as an assistant researcher back in the day. But I always think to myself, well, once once the first, once you get into a football manager save, that's its own world. So anything can happen in that world. It doesn't mean it's tied to what's actually happening and what could in real life. It's almost like every... Every person's save is their each individual world, isn't it? And anything can happen in that world. As Com- completely. Be. And, you know, every game is different. And that's because the whole game is driven by artificial intelligence. So people will make uh, will make decisions, but the decisions all have percentage chances of happening. And then a decision is chosen from that based on other attributes. So some, some players, if they've got 20s in a lot of stats out of 20, will choose, will make certain decisions more often than, than others. But, you know, I, I like the fact that we, uh, that we predict the future um, from time to time. I think that's, uh, that's always a really interesting thing. And um, you, you, have to, you have to be very careful when, when we're testing the game of looking at things and going, oh, that had never happened in real life. As an example of that, Ben Wilmot, um, who plays for the team that I support, Watford, got into the England under-21s in the game. And I was sitting there going, oh, have, have we made his ratings a bit high? Because, you know, he's in the championship this season and he did well at Swansea last year. He's going to be getting more football, but is that going to be enough to get in the England under-21s? And then last weekend, he made his debut for the England under-21s in real life and <laughs> scored a goal on his debut. So um, I'm very glad that I didn't change, uh, <laughs> didn't nerf his data in game a little bit. Off the back of that, because he's uh, he's proving proving in real life that our testing has been uh, has been accurate. But it also happens the other way, doesn't it? I mean, we we spoke with Tom in an earlier episode of, of Level Up, and he was talking about how Harry Kane um, was was one of the players that you know no one thought would really you know come to anything. He was obviously a talented young player, and he went on a few loans. But I mean, if someone would have ran, ran a football manager simulation back then and said, "Well, he's going to be." England's main goal scorer for you know a decade people would have said that that's crazy I can't believe that Tom is stealing my Harry Kane stories so um Harry is one of the few footballers that I've ever apologized to I met him a few years ago at the London Football Awards when he won the Young Player of the Year and um, and had a chat with him and just said, look, mate, I'm, I'm sorry, but the researchers that had watched you when you'd been out on loan at the other clubs didn't think that you were that you were going to make it at, at Spurs. And this is when I think he'd just been called up to England for the first time. But we have upped your data 
this year and that's not something we do very often and he just turned around and went yeah don't don't blame them actually based on some of my loan performances and just laughed so so he was he was okay with it we don't like it when we get things wrong we've got a 99% plus strike rate of getting it right but we're determined to get that other 1% right as well um footballers complain about their stats all the time though uh, and want us to up them and and we we refuse to do that I and mean, you you said earlier nathan you, you were an assistant researcher for that yeah. so you will know you will know that we go with your word not theirs um i think the only time we've changed something is when a footballer turned around to me and said look mate you know you've got my pace all wrong you've got this other guy being faster for pace and acceleration than me whereas i'm faster than him and i just turned around and said prove it and got sent a video of them having a race after training <laughs> um and he was right he he was he was faster than the other guy but he did also point out that the other guy was better at dribbling than him and we had his dribbling too high so we we just switched those two data points around <laughs> It's it's really important to us that we get those kinds of things right. And we will always get beaten with the few that we get wrong. But every manager, every club has signed players that haven't ended up working out that they thought were were better than they are. Um or sorry, thought they were uh, thought they were better than they are. Every club has been surprised by a player coming through. You know, Ashley Young was released by Watford, for example, and then one coach took him under his wing and just went, look, we just need to bulk you up a bit, Ashley. Put him on a special diet during the summer, came back, got a new deal the next summer. And, you know, he's had a pretty good career, has, has Ashley Young. So, so you know, people in football get it wrong as well. So we, we will always get beaten with the stick of the occasional ones that we do get wrong. But having a 99% strike, strike rate with you know, the 500,000 active players that we have in the game at the moment is is pretty good going. And it, it happens the other way, doesn't it? Football is, is bereft. I mean, it's full of players who had massive potential back in the day and haven't quite fulfilled it. So it works the other way as well. Absolutely. And those players still have that potential. They're just never going to reach it. So we've, we've increased the use of the... Um, of players' mental uh, attributes in the game over the years and the way that we use that use those to try and replicate that better. But there are all kinds of players who've who've had all the talent and all the potential, but they just haven't worked hard enough. You look at some of the best players in the world, they're the hardest working players in the world. They're the ones that have given up their life to actually achieve the most that they possibly that they possibly can do, which is why I will never complain about the the hours that uh, that I put into making football manager um, each year because we want to be the best that we possibly can be and and luckily I work with a team that feel the same the same way so whilst we whilst we never tell people that they need to be working late or very very rarely do we tell people they need to be working late people have been during this cycle uh, and I'm very appreciative of, of that because of the results the results that we've got and hopefully we can all have or well, hopefully most of the team can have a bit of a break once we're done uh, an, an elongated break um, so it becomes a little bit easier because I worry about the team's mental health in the same way as I worry about our consumers mental health. 
you talk about the team there, I think that's a, that's a great way to, to finish off, really, because if you look at what you guys have achieved, you've created an entirely new game with updated data. You've had to change things due to COVID, added new features, a plethora of new features. And when the beta came out after one hour and 32 minutes, there were already 50,000 people playing the game. How proud are you of what your team has achieved for this game release? So normally, my, my answer in any normal year would be, you know, we're just cracking on with it and it's on to the next one and we never never spend time celebrating our success and celebrating our work. I think it's really important for us to do that this year. So in case any of the team are listening, thank you so much for everything that, that you've done this year and that we've, we've put into the game. Thank you to the new people who've joined the team in the last year. You've really made a massive difference to us. And, you know, hopefully the people that are playing the game can appreciate the work that everyone's put into it as well. It's it's not like we're doing the really important stuff, right? We're not doctors. We're not nurses. We're not lorry drivers. We're not bin collectors. We don't work in care homes. They're, they're the people... Uh, you know, we don't work in shops. They're the people that are keeping the country moving and, and the, the world moving at the moment. So the role that we do is not important. We're providing entertainment and we're providing an escape. But I really appreciate all of the passion that has gone that has gone into it this year to deliver to deliver what we have, which I can firmly say is the best game we've ever made and um luckily luckily the people who've played it that fifty thousand people who played it in the first couple of hours they they seem to agree um we've we've never had we've always had positive sentiment we've never had overwhelmingly positive uh sentiment from our from our beaters so so yeah i'm, I'm really lucky to get to work with with such an incredible team um and i end up getting the I end up getting the credit because I'm I'm the person that goes out there and does and does these kinds of interviews. But but you know there is a big team at Sports Interactive. There's 200 of us now. Um, plus we've got our research team around the world, which is another thousand another thousand people. We've got our our footballer alpha testers, which is two and a half thousand of them now. We've got our dream team testers. Um, we've got our our localizers from around the world as well, and just. Thank you to all of them, which sounds a little bit BAFTA speechy, but hey, you know, we don't get to do those things at the moment either. And it's it's a, a very heartfelt, heartfelt thank you. And, you know, it would be good if uh, if people are really enjoying this the game this year and it and it's helping them out. Show show us all a little bit of love because a lot a lot of love, sweat and tears have, have gone into have gone into making this game, which which I, I can't, I can't wait for it to be released now. So not, not long to go. On behalf of football manager fans everywhere, I just want to say a thank you as well to to the, everyone at Sports Interactive because um, just from obviously playing the beta and just the incredible achievement to get this this level of detail and this level of of game out in in the year that has been twenty twenty is incredible achievement. So thank you on behalf of all the football manager players and uh, for people who don't know, football manager twenty twenty one will be available on November twenty fourth for PC, Mac, and mobile with the Xbox edition available on December the 1st. Moz, it's been amazing to speak with you and congratulations on a, a yet another a fantastic Football Manager release. Uh, I hope you have a, a great rest of the year. Thank you very much. And I, I hope you also have a, a great experience playing the game and, uh, and maybe get to play 
on your PlayStation 5 when that turns up as well. <laughs> Thanks, Mal. Thanks a lot. Nice Cheers. one. Thank Cheers. Joining me is Nicholas Madden, the Match AI team producer at Sports Interactive. Uh, Nick, um, thanks for joining us. Uh, how are you? Yeah, I'm great, Nathan. And yeah, thank you for thank you for having me. No, you're very welcome. We we join we join the the call. I mean, our chat is on FM twenty one release day, um, Tuesday the twenty fourth of November. So uh, I'm guessing it's been a busy old day for you, Nick. Yeah, it really, really has been. Um, I'd say the the temperature has definitely gone up in the household. Um, yeah, it's it's actually basically since we've um, dropped public like beta, it's really been you know the intensity's been high. We've had to really be um, have a clear mind to make like the best decisions possible. And yeah, it all feeds into this release. Like, I, I really like pride myself and treat pre-release is like in the beta is our release as a team and a match team but you know we still still have to make sure we come strong for the release and yeah it's been yeah. A, been a nice day and we're hopefully gonna have some some team drinks to celebrate after speaking with yourself as well so really cap off a, a excellent year that's good to hear nick good to hear so uh, do you just want to give a quick before we begin just give a quick rundown on on your role and and what you do at sports interactive yeah, sure. So um, I'm the producer of the Match AI team. Basically, the the Match engine itself is sort of a product within the game, um, and I am um, head up a team of developers um, that work on the Match engine primarily, but they um, also touch areas sort of outside the game that feeds into the Match engine itself. And basically, our team is there to try and create the most authentic simulation of football. And that's sort of our vision is to really try and look at football um, on the pitch and then really represent that within our AI and how it looks in the game. And we work really closely with um, the match art and animation team and the shared tech team to really sort of bring bring um, the match to life. And just to, um, I mean... I've got to say, obviously, everyone at Sports Interactive does an amazing job and everyone's roles are important, if you like, uh, in their own way. But um, I mean, in my personal opinion, without the match engine as it is, without that kind of feature within the game, it, it would be less football manager and more football transfer simulation scout system database type thing. So it's yeah. the match engine that that makes people yeah you you do have the you know the scout and the transfer the database all included, but the actual the success and the pride that you get from it all comes from what the match engine gives you. So for my, for me, it's probably the most important part of, of the football manager experience. How do you even begin to try and replicate like real life football? Because there's so many variables. Um, how do you even begin to try and replicate a, a football match? That really is like the hardest question that we always ask ourselves, how can we best replicate football? Um, you know, um, and as you mentioned, the whole journey of the game you go through, that all leads into your match day and your match day experience. So we're bringing in all this data from all around the game, who you signed, how well they've done in training, how's everybody's morale, what are you saying to them in your pre-match briefing or, you know, the the conversations that you're giving to them, that all feeds in. And, you know, when 
when the, the, the manager is then in the game, we look at every sort of instruction that you're able to get, the tactics. We then watch real football and we compare our match to real football and we look at the the different team instructions how they play how we feel like a, a real life manager would set up those instructions and then how how they were how we see it and it's a lot about compare contrast but also there's so many data points that we have on every single player and that makes such a huge difference in the match engine. There's no like single data point where you're like, oh, well, okay, he has finishing 20. It doesn't mean he's going to score every time because there's so many different variables within a match. And, you know, it's absolutely incredible some of the AI that goes into the game. You know, we have at least half a million decisions across a whole match. And that's a lot of decisions to balance, to um, make sure that they are realistic decisions. And yeah, you know, we're, we're best trying to simulate 22 players on the pitch and how they interact with each other. And it, it, it's absolutely incredible how the developers um, really work and like they work so closely with um, the testing team and they give us so much information and we really try and expose and we have so much you know, um, tools that we can actually see what's going on at any given time and see any player's decision on the pitch. And that is, it's absolutely mind blowing when you see that stuff and you see that in real time being played out over the course of 90 minutes. And, you know, real football itself is only sort of played for about 60 minutes because of all the throw-ins and all the stoppages. But still we have to simulate that 90 minutes of football, but really that sort of 60 minutes of football. So yes, it's, it's the hardest question I'd say and, yeah, the most <laughs> difficult to answer but we really we just pride ourselves on trying to look at what's real look at what is authentic and really it's the simulation that we need to create and we strive to create every year well hopefully the questions will get easier from here on, or here on in Nick so uh, apologies for whacking <laughs> you with the hardest question out the back uh, but um I always think of the the match engine um, of Football Manager like a living, breathing thing um, on its own because, I mean, me even just thinking about the amount of decisions that it must matter. I was reading the um, the kind of uh, the article um, that Football Manager released as just to give it an idea of fans about how the match engine is changing for FM21. There were some really interesting things in there that I didn't realise. Like, for example... Players and officials will be making a decision every quarter of a second, which is called a slice in, I'm guessing, the kind of back-end terms of what you talk about. And then, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is just... For FM21, for those who haven't read the article, the decision-making now goes even further because players can now change their original decision mid-slice as the situation around them develops. I mean, just thinking about the possibilities that could possibly come from that, I mean... That just blows my mind. Um, I mean, similar question to before, I think, but you just give us an idea of those... Because di- I suppose the best way of putting it is, with an AI, people think of it as like you create whatever it is and the AI just does whatever it wants to do. But how much of it is the AI is making its own mind up and how much of it is Sports Interactive programming it to do certain things to make sure it's realistic? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. In terms of the decision, um, the decisions in the match, like like I sort of said, that we have about half a million decisions going on, and that really incorporates the sort of the, the the total of the slices. So, yeah, for this 
for this version of the game, we really tried to tighten up that um, the way the players would make the decisions mid-slice. And that's something that we've really created, like put extra detail in because what what we've realised is that um, a player will make a decision, then the next player will make a decision and so forth. And they'll make decisions based off other players' decisions. Um, But the context changes so quickly when you then bring the ball into play. And... You know, football can be quite chaotic with its nature, and there can be turnovers and turnovers and possession, um, especially in central areas. So then, you know, the players need to be really adapt and make their decisions quicker. But it's also pretend like them. It's depending on the players' attributes of when they're able to make that decision as well. Because if a player doesn't have, say, the mental attributes or isn't very good at making decisions, they might not use the opportunity to also make that decision. Um, and in terms of like the AI, so we actually, when we're sort of um, like coding the engine, it's all, all obviously based off um, like um, utility scoring. So um, like if a player scores with this, they'll make this decision. If their their attributes are forcing them another way, then they'll make another decision. And it actually then when we're using the tools to look at, say, examples, um, so we'll get examples of a player and just say we've made a real um, conscious effort this year to um, get our AMCs more involved in the game. So we would um, find some examples of where an AMC could drop into a certain position to receive the ball. So that would be sort of one sort of um, area that we would look to improve. But then we would also um, look at players that have the ball and can they see the pass to that um, AMC or are they making the decision? Why aren't they making the decision to pass that AMC if they're then showing an offering for the ball? And um, we have to take those contexts in two different ways. So it's more like the positioning, getting into the, the, the place that you want them to be. And then can that player actually make the decision to see them based off their attributes? Then depending on, say, the condition of the player, again, their attributes, we also... Um, there is randomness in the in the match engine, so it then creates different situations. So if a player is, say, at that point in time of the match, he has a random score that's placed on his teamwork that then brings it down to, say, a one or a two, he might not make that pass. He might then dribble. And that then creates that sort of, I guess, um, we're simulating different scenarios at every point. We're simulating mistakes we're simulating things that go actually well and then um, yeah to touch upon the, the referees as well one thing we had before where we had we had var perfect it was too perfect and then we then um, we implemented var properly when the world cup was going on in 2018 and what we saw is the var was chaos in real life and we were like our var is too perfect so we've had to simulate more mistakes into our var because we know in the real world it's not var and then it's not realistic and it's not accurate our simulation is off so it's yeah it's really really interesting when you look at the sort of the the ai side of the things and i guess the main point also that a good bit of detail is this year we've incorporated xg and so now xg is the um, expected goals model that is learning off of our match engine data, which is absolutely incredible. So it's really given us more data to improve our AI and make it more realistic. Have you told the footballing authorities that you fixed VAR? Because, I mean, they might need a bit of help, aren't they, with what's going on at the moment? Do, do they know that you that you made it perfect? Surely they'd want to <laughs> hear about how you implemented it. 
<laughs> I know. Well, well, I think, yeah, we've simulated down more mistakes in VAR that isn't offside because they do do a great job of offside yeah. decisions. Yeah. Um, I'm so glad they don't show people now because it was slightly tedious and I feel very, very sorry for um, Bamford who got called offside because of his arm. That yeah, is, the Palace game, wasn't it? Yeah, that's all. That, yeah. If that was in our game, we would be logging it as a bug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I did notice that VAR in last year's game, when when there was a review, you knew it was gonna it was gonna happen type thing. So yeah, it's it's good that that's kind of variation this year, and it's good to see that that that's in there as well. Because again, it's like real life, and you're trying to simulate real life as best you can, aren't you? Really, that's that's the whole point of of the match engine. But what I was just gonna pick up on there is. I'm guessing, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but correct me if I'm wrong, because of how detailed the match engine is, it's not a new match engine every year, is it? Is it something you're improving on every year? Because I see things, because I'm a regular member of the the um, Sports Interactive forums and you go on there and people are always talking about when the new match engine comes for FM21 or whatever. Is it a new match engine or are you just improving on the one that you've, you've already got? That That is a brilliant question. So we... We version our match engine, so we create new versions every time. We look at it as a product, and we then that's the foundations for the next version. So we give the developers the opportunity every year to um, refactor areas of the code to obviously um, to clean that up, to modernize areas of it because it is such a huge, huge thing. It's it's absolutely massive code base, and you know it's the team do incredibly well to identify when we know we need to clean, um, and when we know we need to say um, identify an area that that will be improved for, say next year, and that will be on the roadmap. Um, and in terms of this year, um, obviously one thing that we we took from FM twenty was um, we had the foundations of something solid. However, something that not all of our f- fans were as, as happy about. And one thing was the sort of the one-on-one finishing. And so we took aspects of the finishing completely out and changed them for the next version. So um, yeah, we've really done a lot of work to incorporate um, sort of how much space a player thinks that they're in, um, which actually that has huge potential knock-ons for the rest of the game world because a player if they're in more space they will make different decisions so it's very very important to isolate that for finishing differently to when you're say um in a bit of space like that amc who might be able to receive the ball um and also if that player's on the ball they if they think that they've got more space they're probably going to exploit it and dribble into it and rather than pass the ball and try and break through the lines so yeah we use the versioning system to bring a, a new look to the match engine every time but yeah it's it's building upon the same solid foundations that we've had for for years that's fascinating stuff and i'm sure everyone who's a football manager fan listening will be fascinated by that because it's just it's not something you hear every day as a, with the match engine it's just interesting to hear you talk about in such detail thanks nick about you know what goes on in the in the code and the different decisions that players make because I mean, to to when you play, when you're in the middle of a game, you take it for granted, don't you, that you're watching something that has been created by humans. Um, really, um, you take that for granted a little bit. And I mean, we we you spoke a bit there about the one-on-one situation in FM20 and 
There was things with the attacking in the final third, which is a, a kind of ticky tacker player. The 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 four three three that I like to play on every version. It's something that um that didn't really work for me. I had to kind of work around the match engine rather than work with it. If you see what I mean, to try and exploit different parts of the game. Just talk about some of the areas that you, that have been improved for this year, because I know that attacking in the final third is is one of the bigger things that has happened for FM twenty one. Yeah, we look at the product every year and we're like, what can we improve? We, we're always striving to improve the the engine that we have and, like I said, bring new versions. Um, the play in the final third, and especially we've looked at how we utilise the focus um, play and either focusing play through the middle or focusing play out wide and down the flanks or left and right singly we've looked at that as an avenue of like we knew we needed to change that because what we felt is that there wasn't enough um passes being played through the center and it wasn't just the amcs but it was you know and the other supporting players and so we've built into the ai so if you're focusing down the right the ai will follow your instructions and will, will play down the right however sometimes they will look to play left to then open up space on the right to then really exploit the, the right and sort of fake that attack really so that the play isn't predictable. Um, and that would then, we've also changed sort of how players support at different angles depending on your team instructions. And we really try and look at the overall and then what can we improve. Um, one thing we had um, a, a big vision of, okay, we really want to improve aerial interceptions. So we took that as a larger topic and we were like, well, how do players aerially intercept the ball? Okay, well, we have players that come and meet the ball with their head. They will challenge with other players. We have um, players that might, say, flick on the ball to a teammate. We have players that might have more time, so they might need to chest and bring the ball down um, or nod it to a teammate. And then we also have goalkeepers that want to sort of come through an absolute melee of players in the box, and they might want to catch and hold the ball at crosses or punch. And so we we take the topic of improving aerial interceptions and then already we have at least four or five areas that we then really nail down on to get examples of where we can make those improvements in the different aspects of the game of football. And that's something that, you know, it's sort of come from this year and that you'll see, especially the match blog that you referenced, um, that um, one of the stars, Tom Davidson, always interviews me every every year. And I get to just give him an absolute mind dump of what's what improvements we've made. And he he's able to articulate um, the journey of the team very, very well in the match blogs. And I would say we've taken bigger aspects, say like the, the, the one-on-one, the finishing. And that was all born off. We wanted goalkeepers to go to ground more. And to make it more realistic so you could have more dink finishes because we're seeing a lot more flare finishing in there, especially at the top level. So again, depending on your attributes of your player, they might go for that a little bit more. And yeah, I'd say overall, it's really been an absolutely incredible year for some of the changes we made. And the biggest one for me is that in FM20, we really prided ourselves on trying to improve the attacking play. And that meant that we our attacking play was just too good and we needed to bring that defensive play up to the same level. And this year we've um, designed an open play marking map. So every player knows the absolute best ex- best decision they need to make at that time. But then depending on their attributes, that might change. Um, we have the ability for players to pass on other players and other markers. 
um, something like I'm a centre-back myself and something that I'm doing the whole game when I play football is to pass on a player, especially if um, centre-back partner and there's one striker, we're constantly passing. And so to have that in the engine is very, very important because um, you do see players pass on their markers a lot more. That then evolves into players making sure that they're um, trying to mark space, mark the passing lanes as well to cut out passes rather than just marking the man. And already we've built ourselves about huge features and been allowed sort of the time to really refine them. By Miles, our studio director this year, has, has been incredible. He's given us so much trust and he, he said in a recent interview that he's now felt that the defensive play was up at the levels where he he wanted it to be. And we really concentrated on building from changing the decisions to then into the defensive play. We actually finished on the passing and the attack in the final third because we wanted to make sure that we improved really organically over the year. And so we actually started with a lot of the the mid-slice decision refinement as well as, as the defensive play and the goalkeeping and then went into the attacking which is, I guess, this gives you, a, a, the blog hopefully will give you a bit more of a journey of actually what we went went through this year. What One of my favourite um, new things on the blog was about how the, the defensive line behaves more like a single unit because we, we've seen, haven't we, the, the addition in previous versions of the game to set your, your team presses, to set your defensive line, and they both work in tandem. Um, and I think it'll be it's a really good addition the fact that they do move as a single unit just as in real life uh, I think that's something that will really add add to the game oh yeah 100% that, again it's just the amount of changes in the defensive area this year it's, it's really made it realistic and more realistic and we're so happy that we have the tools where we can see the defensive line and you can see when players are coming out of the defensive line and also from building upon that and making sure that they behave more as a unit, when we're then talking about our aerial interceptions, usually a player will step out of the line to try and meet the ball. And thus we need covering players to then, um, you know, have that defensive that cover when that player comes to meet that ball. So that's something that we factored into that, that whole overall unit is the pressure on the ball and then the cover of the other players. Yeah, you know, I, I, I used to coach myself. So yeah, it's very, very like fundamental defensive f- things that we've really added into the engine this year. Then it, it was there in part. But we've really refined those decision making and really, yeah, getting players to have a more of a concept of not only how close the other player is. So if they can't pass them on, can they at least get into a position where they can support them? And yeah, you were speaking about the the changes to the sort of the pressing intensity and um, and sort of the line of engagement that came um, in 2019 and when we did the tactics revamp. And you know, I was. You know, that was one of the sort of main features that I've like helped put in the game and something that I'm like extremely proud of. It was born out of um, sort of my frustration that the tactics that like the system I didn't think was reflective of real life. And what what I would say to my team on a say a, a Sunday when managing them, and it's really sort of come to come to life, and we've really built upon that. And um, then the last few years, which is yeah, uh, 
some very very proud moments of working at SI. <laughs> it's really interesting the fact that you you talk about you spoke about flare passing uh, flare finishing sorry where uh, players are more likely to attempt like chip shots for example when one on one just like we see in real life and you also mentioned the AMC position or the cam position. I'm glad you said AMC because that how that's how my brain works rather than cam because uh, I think in football <laughs> manager positions the the different stratas but um it's interesting, isn't it? Because we've seen the AMC position get less and less vital in real life football. Uh, and we've seen obviously changes to finishing and that kind of thing. And how how much do you have to look at and change the match engine depending on how real life football cha- is changing every year as well? Yeah, it's quite interesting, actually, because we used to actually have the sweeper in the game before the tactics revamp. And we actually took that out because it wasn't modern, but we still kept the sort of libero in that that you could still say how to put a defender on cover, but you wouldn't necessarily have the sweeper. So it'd be really interesting to see how tactics move going forward and yeah, I guess with sort of AMCs, yeah, they do feel like they are sort of coming out of the game, but I really hope they sort of don't. But we we really do try and we try and cater for as much of the football spectrum and football world as we can. You know, that even I think 2018, we put in sort of roles like the Mazzala and um, the Segundo Volante because we're really trying to cater for football fans, say, in Italy and um, roles that are in Brazil. And so we've always tried to be at the forefront of recognizing a position and a role and it's really interesting how you were saying that like is it cam is it amc and i actually feel like some of the terminology that we bring in the football manager it gets used in the media and it really isn't absolutely incredible to see that actually then come to fruition i really hope that the amcs do stay a modern thing and that we can give that sort of tactical flexibility to sort of the human managers and the players of our game because you know, systems are changing as well. Um, you know, obviously for the defensive unit side of things for our work this year, you know, a lot of teams are now playing with a back three, which is completely, or a back five. So that's, again, completely different to the principles that you would defend with a back four. So it's about, again, really trying to like um, make sure that the code is able to be flexible to the needs of the tactics. You know, I myself, when I, when I play, I I don't actually play all of my tactics um, in the game with a AMC. It's only certain ones because I know that, like, I, I look, look to my wingers. My wingers are everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they're becoming more prevalent, aren't they, as well? The, the wide players, they're becoming more like wide strikers, which you've seen, like, the inside forward and inverted winger and stuff added in, in recent years. So, yeah, it's uh, while we're on attacking play, I just wanted to mention that kind of the central play aspect of it because that's that's the one I've been looking to forward to most and it's made a real difference to the way the way I now play in, in football manager games because um as I mentioned before I, I normally play 4-3-3 and and try and look at central progressive passes more vertically rather than horizontal passes try and get the ball through midfield like you'd see for example like Pep Guardiola or or someone like that and I, th- I felt like in FM20, it would, like I'd mentioned before, there was I had to do it in a certain way because the match engine kind of there was less of that midfield play. So it's great to see that moving in the centre of the pitch has been reworked for FM21 and how players are impactful attacking players on the ball 
um, will look to, especially when the focus play through the middle team instructions on, will look to place greater emphasis on progressive central passes. And that that just that is um, that, that is great news for for someone like me who plays that style of football. Two questions with that, if if possible, Nick. Um, with the match engine in FM twenty, just interesting. Looking forward to how it's changed. Was that something that was in the code? The fact that central attacking wasn't wasn't going to be as effective, or was that something that the AI decided itself to move the play to the to the wings because it felt like it was it was the better option? And the second question is in terms of the the central play, how have you managed to balance that central play with the defending side as well? Those are two fantastic questions, um, especially um, when you sort of draw upon the improvements that we've made from FM20. So the main thing that we focused on and um, was the risk. One thing in FM20, the players had a bit more risk in their decision scoring. So they would see that we're passing into a congested area, so they won't necessarily choose that pass as much. So it was down to sort of the, not only the scoring, but the risks, the um, the attributes of the player. So the AI's ultimate goal is to obviously score a goal. And, to, and so they want to make those threaded through balls, but sometimes the risk is on and, you know, the pitch might be too compact. So what we really tried to scale back is really trying to reduce the risk of some of those passes to make sure that they are played in those areas put players in different positions as well. The positions that players take up is so vital to the simulation. Um, a, a few steps to the left and the right, and you might not be receiving that ball because then you're at an angle where another player has come across and they might have blocked the passing lane. Thus, a player will just turn out and just pass another way, or they might um, dribble the ball, or they might um, look for another option. So the risk, the scoring, the, the space in the field is so, so important really um, to draw those passes. And, you know, in terms of the central play itself, really looked at, was it basically us trying to make more interceptions? 100%. Yeah, just to we're, counteract we're, the central yeah, play. Yeah, because yeah, with, with increasing the central play, I suppose if you didn't then increase the midfielders, the defensive midfielders on the other side, if you didn't increase their kind of, you know, ability to make interceptions and stuff, you'd see the opposite to FM20 where all the play through the middle and none of it's through the side. So you have to kind of adjust it, don't you? Yeah, yeah, of course. And we've it has led this year to more turnovers in possession. We've had to redefine all of our stats um, this year um, to create sort of not only create the XG model, but um, to do the analysis and stats revamp that we've done for this year. And we've seen more possessions are gained in certain areas, especially in central areas because we are looking for players to block those passing lanes. We also want those players to try and make those passes and get the interceptions because then that creates the element of the realism, especially in central areas of, of football. You know, we do see that there are teams, especially if they're playing with sort of a more of a lower tempo, they might keep the ball and then look to exploit and really knock the ball around and wait for the opportunity for that ball. Whereas there's some that will will play quick, they'll play fast, they'll try and break the lines. And so we've got to represent both of those styles in the game. 
this is just turned into such an interesting episode because it's it's rare that you get a chance to speak to someone like you so involved with the match engine and it hopefully made me a bit better of a manager as well uh, on FM. I'll, I'll definitely just keep re-listening to this and uh, keep reminding myself of, of what to do in the game as well. I will say that one of the more, um, we talked about real life events. We saw uh, last season, the season before, um, Manchester City, one of their hallmarks, I suppose, was getting those wide men to the byline and then to cross in or just for a, a, a pass, if you like, sideways into the six-yard box ready for the striker or the, the opposing winger to just tap in. One of the most frustrating areas for me is when I see one of my wide players get in a great position to do just that and the striker's free and he'll just hit it into the side netting from like the tightest angle known to man. Is, is that something that has been the rec five for this year? Yeah, we've spent so much time on, once we got the defence all set and the solidity of the engine, we really looked to refine the options that we're giving to the wide players. Because it's not only just that that player's making that decision to shoot, it's the options, it's like the risk. Like, can they play that ball? Are they considering that put the ball across goal. Is that player making that run or in off the line? And one thing that obviously Pep's teams do so well is someone like Sterling is always making that run at just the right time. And that's why the goal looks so easy, so clean, because it's he's lost his, his marker. He's there ready to tap in. And it was a culmination of things that we knew that we needed to improve this year. And that that's definitely one of them. Something that we, we always want to strike the right balance as well, because, you know, for example, if they're playing a ball on the ground, that's easier for any player to intercept, whether it be a player trying to do a slide tackle, if the goalkeeper can come out and claim it, there might be, say, a, a you know, if they flash it across goals, there's even potential of own goals. And so that there's so many different factors into how we can improve that. And then one thing I, I spoke about a bit earlier was sort of that random side of the engine. If a player, say, you know, like loses their impact to make a decision, a split decision or like their teamwork, for example, gets hit at that one point, they might not play that ball. And, you know, as you see, like especially when watching a lot of football that I do, some players are greedy and they will take that <laughs> shot no matter what. And so again, it's sort of that it's that balance of what can we make it to look real realistic, authentic, and also how how true can we stay to the stats? You know, the goals per game really has to guide us as well, because we can't have an engine where it was like the start of the um, Premier League season this season, where it's like goals for fun and the most yeah. amount of goals scored. We we obviously need to make it as sensible as well. So um you know, if we had every team playing like um, like Man City, you know, there'll be, <laughs> be easily be about six goals, <laughs> seven goals per game. Yeah. One thing I wanted to pick up on that I thought was a really, really good point, and I think we've, I'm obviously, as I said before, I'm I'm always on the forums looking at tactics and the ideas that people have got, and I find it really interesting. Um, I want to pick up on the thing you said about options because I think a lot of the community sometimes they're very quick to blame the match engine. And one thing I would say to any anyone listening out there is think about how your players are positioned and your tactics before going for the match engine. So, for example, I, I did have an issue a few years ago where my players were taking shots outside the box for no apparent reason. Um, and I was playing a really short passing game, really, you know, decent tempo, but it was it was slow passing and working work the ball into the box was on there and I couldn't for the life of me work out why. And I was having a chat with someone on the forums 
And they were saying, go back to the shots and watch the replays of where your players are positioned when that player initially gets possession of the ball. And what I was finding was the player was shooting because he didn't have any other options. And I think that is something interesting that people might find interesting on Football Manager is if you find in that your players aren't making the right decision at that time, instead of going to them for the match engine and saying about how the match engine is not perfect, just have a look at the match again and see if you've you've got the the players, your players are in the positions to actually make the decisions that you want. Because I think that's that's something that gets um, overlooked a bit too much. I think. Yeah, there's, there's honestly there's so much materials on the the community forums that people really do help people like that's one thing i see is someone will go on and ask tactical questions and you know especially a lot of um the mods that are on there and you know seasoned pros of the game they will they will help people and break down the tactics and that is one thing is you know like for example even today i i've seen reports where you know people have people have suggested that we've changed the match engine wholeheartedly and we've broke their save and i can actually promise you that it really isn't true we've really tried to rein in as many changes we've tried to be as patient as possible and not go and make wild changes um, to try and improve it even further. So actually the match engine you pretty much have for, for pre-release, other than some, some offside fixes and some some fixes to like, you know, simulated mistakes and error, it's really is the same foundations of the engine. We've really tried not to mess with a lot of the AI because we had it in such an amazing position. But we have tools in the in the in the studio where we can turn off things like ball error, you know, like where players have like error on their passes. Because people obviously misplace passes, we can t- we can make sure that every player is playing at their maximum, so that there's sort of no random. There you see absolutely beautiful football because that's how it. You know that's obviously you see everything how it should be played, but football is never how it should be played. No tactic is how it should be played. That players in real life are not robots. So in our game, they're not robots. They all make their their own decisions. And when they cross that white line, you sometimes you just can't affect that. I'd say for for hints and tips, you know, and look at the the balance of your your tactic. Have, Have a look at sort of the roles, the duties that you're playing, the role animations this year really really important to describe what the role is and how it moves sort of on the ball and off the ball that's really important because your sort of formation is is you sort of i'd say more without the ball and then it's your player instructions of roles it's the team instructions that really you can elaborate on that movement and hopefully put players in positions where you know they're they're there making scoring scoring decisions scoring chances another hint would be look at the player traits of the players you have if you're telling him your player one thing and they've got a trait to do the opposite that's their preferred like move their their trait so they they might not be able to to listen or they might not be able to make that decision as much and it's about either training or even coaching that out of them or like using the training system to even bring them new traits or um, to learn a new role because actually their, their attributes might might suit something a bit different brilliant thanks for that and it found for the the hints and tips on there i think that'll be uh that'll be really useful to a lot of the people listening um i just wanted to finish off really by saying that i think the match engine, what it allows, and the football manager game, really, I think something unique is the fact that someone like me, for example, who 
you know, I'm I'm very interested in football and tactics and and the way football's played. And what football manager allows is it allows people like me who wouldn't necessarily go maybe do my coaching badges. What it allows people like me to do is to get the tactical idea that I've got in my head and actually put it into practice without having to go out and spend thousands of pounds on on coaching badges and and things <laughs> like that. So I think it's such a unique thing for anyone to be able to do. And I'm sure everyone at home when they're watching their favourite team, they've got ideas about how they they would set up the team and which players they should play. And this game is is the only game really out there that you can actually put those tactical ideas into place in such great detail. And um, it, it will very quickly tell you whether or not that is the right system for the group of players, um, which is uh, yeah, it's something that I've found out very often in, in my time playing Football Manager. It's a living, breathing football universe. Like It, it still holds true to what the pooling of the Colliers, what, what they've first designed in the game and that was their first four and it still harps back to that and you know with miles is such strong vision on you know it needs to be realistic we want to take the human manager on a realistic journey like the suspension of disbelief that he really like drives home on every feature that we put in the game how big and how small like we always think of the realism and yeah bringing your your sort of your tactics, your managerial experience to life. Um, but I've been playing on what used to be um, obviously championship manager and then now football manager since I was seven, eight years old. And that was before I got into coaching and before I got into the games industry. And I, I used to like use football manager to then sort of look how I might set up my team that I used to coach in America and, and work in academies there. And I would use that as the forum to see how it plays out in the simulation before trying it, which is, and also to help describe it to some, to either some of my fellow coaches, some of the children. It's it's such an, an educational tool as well. It's not just a simulation of football. Like that's one thing I've learned is from working a full manager. We are, and we, we provide an education for people. We try and really pull back the covers of some of the things that like other people might not see. And in, especially in the football industry. And we've been so fortunate that, um, you know, with our connections with um, the LMA that, you know, Miles has been able to get some incredible guests on for uh, like for us to do actual foot talks with real life managers. And, like to ask them questions about things like their pressing system. And they go into so much detail for us that they wouldn't normally obviously share. It is really, really incredible because it just makes the game that level of quality better, more realistic, and it just sort of brings your football dream to life. Like you are the manager. And, you know, I, I listened to an interview with Miles earlier and he, he really he hit home of what the vision was this year, even within the studio. And it's so true. It was about you, the manager, like your decisions. And and that's one thing we, we strive to just bring out every year is your journey and yeah, across the football FM universe. What a lovely way to, to finish. Thank you very much, Nick, for your time. And I'll just say as well that, I mean, I don't think anyone would have begrudged Sports Interactive if you'd have just launched football manager 2020 as it is with the data update i don't think anyone would have begrudged you for that due to the 
obviously the ongoing COVID pandemic and the the massive changes that we've seen as part of the football landscape with the change of start dates and the transfer market and the impact on finances and all that kind of stuff. But the fact that both you, your team and everyone at Sports Interactive has managed to make and a brand new game with these massive changes to the match engine to make it more realistic than ever before. And there's been a lot of features added that that are just fantastic to see. And they're not small things, they're massive things that the guys at Sports Interactive managed to implement. So I think it's just amazing what Sports Interactive has, has achieved this year. And it is truly the best football manager game that I've ever played. And to say that during one of the hardest years that the human race has ever had to endure, I think that's um, that's something that you should be proud of. No, thank you, Nathan. One thing is that we know how hard it has been for people. And, you know, Miles talks a lot about the escape and sort of the mental side of things. And we create a world where you can live your journeys and really create your own football club if you want to and bring them to success. And one thing that, you know, like we're seeing, say like seeing high levels of unemployment, you know, friends and fa- family of mine, when they lose their jobs, they they lose those rewards that you get. Like, a, you know, like for you saying something like a nice well done, like on your work, like you get those compliments in the workplace every day. And, and some people are losing that. So this really, really proud of what we've achieved this year. Everybody has worked so hard in the studio from the IT team to make sure that everybody across, like across all the countries that we, uh, we have developers or testers to make sure that we get all the machines, everything. But we were lucky that we had most like about 30% of our studio worked remotely and offsite anyway. So we, you know, especially in our team, we understood that you know, we had, say, a developer in America, we have a developer in Finland. So we were able to communicate very, very easily and be a bit more agile with the way we, we spoke. But for some, it was a learning curve and everybody threw themselves into this this year and we were driving to just make the best game possible because we know how much pressure we put on ourselves every year. But then the added pressure that everything going on in the world and most people are locked down, it's... We've had to overcome a lot of challenges where, say, you know, I've had cats running over my keyboard. People have had children crying in the background. And we've just had to, you know, be very, very patient with people and do do our best. And, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of this release. Um, we speak about it as, as a team, as a studio of actually how proud we are of each other. It was such a team effort this year. You know, I couldn't have done anything. I couldn't have done my job well without the match team. Like, for example, and, you know, we rely so much on other teams within the studio that, um, yeah, just to bring it all together and to, you know, to see the end product and see people were in, have been enjoying it, especially over pre-release and the reviews that people have given us. Um, it really, really means a lot because, you know, to us, it, it's been worth it to make the next version of the game. And one thing that Miles asked people is, does this feel like a new game? Or does it feel like a game made in a pandemic? And everybody was saying it feels like a new game. And I think that that's really, really important is it should feel like a new game because people want the best value for money. And that's hopefully what we give them is escape, some positivity. And, you know, maybe maybe a striker can um, score one-on-one now. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, I think it's honestly extraordinary what, what Sports Interactive have done this year and um, from playing it. I mean, I've, I've been enjoying it so much. And thank you so much for joining me for, for such a long time as well on, on what is one of your busiest days. And 
I wish you all the success with it. It's had record people playing the game over the last kind of 12 months or so, and I can only see it getting more popular. So thank you so much for joining me in, in talking about the match engine, one of the most difficult things to to talk about in terms of our, to articulate what's going on. And um, yeah, it's been really fascinating to talk to you as well. I, I wish you all the success at Sports Interactive and um, I know who to go to now. If I'm having issues with the match engine and I need to find a workaround, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll get in touch and we can have a chat about it. Of course, Nathan. No, thank you so much for your time. And yeah, obviously, you know, if you're winning, it's because you, your tactics and if you're losing, it's because of the ME. So, you know. And can I just confirm <laughs> that no one at Sports Interactive is actually controlling the AI that you're playing against? I'm going to be very, very honest with you. The match engine does not care whether you're an AI player or a human player, that you treats you exactly the same. There you go. Exactly the same. So if you've been that- if you've been FM'd, it happens. That's just football. Exactly. We're not trying to treat you out of the game or anything like that. We treat you exactly the same in the ME. Thanks, Nick. So Football Manager 2021 is out now on PC, Mac and mobile, and it returns to Xbox for the first time in a decade on December the 1st, which is also the date when the Touch version is released as well. Nick, thanks a lot and uh, best of luck for the future years. And I, I have no idea how you're going to top 21 in 22. So uh, good luck with that. Oh, I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah we set a high bar. <laughs> thank you for listening to level up the esports and gaming show make sure to subscribe to the podcast and please leave us a rating and review you can also follow us on twitter at level up pod where you'll find all of our previous episodes and information about how to subscribe We'll be back with a brand new episode very soon.